You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share bad. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the Good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello everybody, welcome to Nerd to Know Basis. My name is Daryl Connor. this is Phoenix 92.5 FM, nerdtoknowmedia.com and welcome to the show. This week we have a change to our regularly scheduled programming and we're going to bring you two of the best shows, or two of my personal picks, from uh, the Nerd to Know Media archives. So instead of having a normal show when we don't get to record one or whatever, we're going to bring you stuff from our back catalogue of shows. We have... Hours of shows. I think there's something like over 300 shows or something like that that we have over nerdtoknowmedia.com. So, and they're all free. So, if this is your first time checking this out, please go over to nerdtoknowmedia.com where you'll be able to get all these shows for absolutely zero. No money. It's all there. There's also on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff there as well. So, please do enjoy the show. And again, if this is your first time checking this out, please do spread the word of the show, Nerd to Know Basis, here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. And of course, Nerdtonomedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Doing It for the Exposure, the show that's convinced it'll be great for your portfolio. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is award winning photographer Ivan O'Sullivan of Day 23 Photography. Hi, how you doing? Hey, Ivan, how's things? Not bad at all. Uh, warm. That's what they are. They're very warm. Warm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really warm in my apartment. It's like it's like sitting in a very, very um, nicely decorated oven. It's, it's really good. It's really warm. It's a lovely day to be working indoors. Oh, yeah. I'm delighted that my office is in the back of an apartment that can't see any windows. I'm really happy on days like this. <laughs> so, Ives, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what kind of stuff that you do. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been called a photographer um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go bandying that uh, label around too much, but yeah. Um, well, I'm a musician first and, and I used to do some horror modeling uh, a long time ago and, um, I got kind of tired of always directing pictures and kind of coming up, coming up with ideas all the time. So I just decided that, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll step behind the lens myself and see what happens. And, um, a buddy of mine called, uh, Rachel Corcoran. She wanted some shots done for her uh, album artwork and she messaged me and gave me a shot list and I thought she was looking for my opinion on them and I was like, oh yeah, that looks kind of cool and that's kind of cool. And she was like, no, 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 I actually want you to take them. And I was like, oh, listen, I've never actually done that before. Are, are, you, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, yeah, do, do. So 
so yeah, so I went out and we did it and um, it, it went well. She was really happy with them. And um, I ended up doing a few more and a few more. And then I got convinced to uh, create a Facebook page, which I did. And then, then come up with a name for it, which I did. And, and um, that was kind of it, really. I kind of I kind of like to shoot people that wouldn't necessarily take be in photo shoots. And I like to work with every, every kind of person. And if someone tells me that they've been told no by another photographer, then I instantly want to give them want to shoot with them um and yeah that's kind of the, the whole deal really there's not a hell of a lot of magic to it <laughs> he says modestly no but it's true i mean it's i don't know i mean i just <laughs> i don't i don't think there's a lot of magic to it to be fair um I, I mean all the work is done by the models in fairness well i mean i i'd have to disagree with you on that just because i've worked with you personally <laughs> and so I, i've seen what you know what i do and then what you throw on top of that Ah, uh, yeah, but I couldn't do what you do. What do you mean? You used to be a model. Yeah, but I couldn't paint. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm not talking about paint here. I'm talking about, you know, even just modeling for a, a shot and then, you know, you work your magic on top of that. Like, that's that's like rocket science to me, you know? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a graduate of the school of YouTube, you know? I, mean, <laughs> I am. It's weird. A few years back, um, I was in, I've been, I go back and forth to Los Angeles a good bit and, um, a friend, of, a friend of a friend uh, was a, an actual model, like a proper Calvin Klein model. This guy was, you know, he's one of these guys, you meet him in person, you're like, how can you be this good looking in person? This is ridiculous. And then you expect him to be a real moron. And he was hilarious and really funny, really witty, and a really great guy. And what he had done is he had stopped modeling and became a professional fashion photographer. Mm-hmm. And I was saw his stuff and I was like, my God, this is incredible. And he's a South African guy and his name was Lyle Aston. And I was like, my God, that's such an amazing, how'd you do this? And he said to me, he says, what he would do is he would, well, obviously being on, on major professional shoots, he would watch how the guys do things and he'd learn that way. But what he'd do was he'd look, look at the photograph and then try and deconstruct it. Same way as like, I'm in a, I'm in a band, a musician, and what I, out of years of being a musician, a lot of the habits that I have, I listen to a song and just out of, just out of habit, I'd pull it apart in my head. How does this, how did they, what, what was the germ of this song? What was it? Was it a hook that came first? Was it the beat? Was it the vocals? I'm just trying to guess how they put it together. Um, you're not always right, but sometimes you have to see how they kind of, how things hang together. So you look at a picture that you want to do, you go, I really like that photo. I like how that's done. So how was that done? So then you would look, how did they make the sky that way? How was the model this way? You try and deconstruct it to, to try and learn how, how to do it. And so you go onto YouTube and say, I want to know how to, you know, turn someone's hair blue, you know, when their hair is red. And it'll show you how to do it in Photoshop, or I want to know how to do a green screen cutout, or I want to do a chroma key, or I want to know how to paint something in, and all that kind of stuff. How do I change the background without changing the foreground? And all those different things. YouTube is great for that, because there's just people out there who are amazing at Photoshop, and they spend loads of time creating really good videos for it. And it's all free. Now, there's some ones you can subscribe to, and that's fine, you can do those too. And tutorials, I never did any of those. I just went on and just went, I want to know how to do this. And just Google it and see, now that doesn't apply. Okay, that one applies. And then just follow it through and spend ages, like, you know, doing it step by step. So, yeah, like it, there's no magic to it. <laughs> <laughs> simple when you know how. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly it. It's simple. As you kept saying to me all that time, fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> they don't know you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Smile and nod politely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I wasn't like a, a fashion model. I mean, I was a horror model. So what I did was look really frightening. And that was easy. I just had to just look like me. And um, <laughs> it, it just worked perfectly. I was like, my God, how did you make that face? I'm like, it just covers the front of my head. There's not much more you can really do with it. So um, I just stood there and got covered in blood and would snarl at people. And it was effective. And how did you get into that? Um, well, I actually saw, uh, so I was in a band at the time, and a proper, you know, metal band. And I was the front man of the metal band and, you know, you know, all, you know, all heavy and scary and stuff. And um I saw a photography group on Facebook called Red Tree Studios. And I just mm -hmm. loved the horror stuff I thought was fantastic. And I wanted them to do a photo shoot with the band. And them turned out to be Carl and Mike. And so I messaged them. And I went in and visited the studio. And I didn't understand where he said, listen, our studio is not big enough to fit a, a, a band in for a shoot. So I went to see it. And it was, it was tiny. It was like a broom closet. But it was all kind of cool. And it was all really kind of funky stuff. And I said, okay, Graham. I said, well, we, I'd love to work with you at something. And they're like, okay, grand. And then I landed a, an endorsement deal with a pedal company that I was using, an effects pedal company for my bass. And I said, I have a great idea. I'll do a really good promo shoot for the pedals with this, with these guys with Red Tree. So I messaged up Carl and I said, listen, would you do a promo shoot for me? And he goes, absolutely, but only if you let me come up with the concept. And I went, yep, fine, no problem at all. So they buried me up to my neck in dirt and had me crawling out of the ground like a zombie reaching for the pedal. And like looking really scary and freaky. And I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And I sent it to the pedal company. They thought it was amazing. It was in loads of magazines. It was doing great. And then about three weeks later, Carl rang me and said, do you want to be in a photo shoot? You have the perfect face for a killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, oh okay. Um, that sounds interesting. And then he says, are you okay with nudity? And I went, what, mine? And he goes, no. I said, yep, that's fine then. No problem. Other people's. Um, and that was it. My first shoot then, I was... Um, I was ripping someone open and eating their heart out and it was quite horrific and got banned off lots of things. And I was, I was absolutely terrified because they all knew each other and I didn't know anybody. And, uh, and I walked and, you know, you know, you think you're prepped for it. You think you're all ready to go. And the model was brilliant. Her name was Jennifer Hillick. She was fantastic. And, you know, they stretched her up from her legs and she was, you know, everything was showing. And then she was ripped open with latex and, I was kept away until the very last second. And, you know, modesty, all modesty is preserved. Everyone's covered in blankets. I walk in, the blanket's removed, and I'm standing there with a knife and fork, and I stuck her with the fork by accident. And I was trying, <laughs> trying not to look. I was, like, looking at the wall and trying to look mean, and it was all getting given direction. And within, like, five minutes, like, click, 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 right, we're done, get out. And I was kicked out again. And then she was all cleaned up, and I had to get my – I was in makeup for, like, two hours to get this look. Mm -hmm. And um, – it was brilliant. And then the lad, the picture came out and then I was delighted with it. And I ended up uh, becoming a, becoming a minor, very minor alt area celebrity then. And uh, I ended up in loads of pictures and I was this um, underground personality then called the executioner, which was, uh, which was lots of fun. Um, and you got some really unusual requests to be in some really unusual pictures, pretty much all of which I went, no. And I'm um, really hoping the guards never read any of my instant messages because they were just, I want you to do this to me. I'm like, oh my God, what? So, <laughs> so yeah. But, um, and it became then that like, I, I would be anything. I would do any kind of picture. And then uh, the, the more grotesque and horrific, the better really. 
and um, so I got banned numerous times, and it was fun. And then, and then I ended up I getting asked to do other shoots and outside Red Tree. I was in the, I did loads of those guys. It was brilliant. And then I ended up getting asked to do other shoots and more shoots. And then photographers had asked me to do a shoot, and I'd end up coming up with the idea and the concept and the model, and then find a makeup artist. And I ended up doing all the work behind it, and then even directing the shoot. And I'm on it, going, "Well, how about we do it this way, or we do it this way?" And then after a while, I was just like, "Oh, why don't I just do it myself, really?" Um, mm -hmm. You know, give it a go and say about in 2006, I went and I did a trip around the world and I, I got a camera off a friend of mine who's a professional photographer. I said, I want to buy, I want to do this. And he was like, well, you know, buy this camera, this lens would be great for your trip, entry level stuff. And I was like, fine. And I did it and I had no idea how to edit them and I didn't do anything with them. And I just kind of left them there. And then for about 10, 12 years, I never touched the camera. And I did, I had a camera I had for six months and then, when I came back, I never touched it again. And then when I, when I started taking pictures, about four, it's actually four years ago this summer, I, I went back and I said, you know what, maybe I'll try edit those. And um, I, I gave it a whack. And because, um, as you know, I'm colorblind. So editing and color is just guesswork for me. So I was really, I shot in black and white for ages. And then I kind of went to my forays into color. And so I've kind of my own system had to get around that now. But uh, I'm still nervous. I'm still nervous doing it in color, doing anything in color, really. But uh, I, do, I try my best. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, your pictures, they always have this, I mean, they're never, the colors are never off. It's kind of this unique, it's almost as, as if you have like the Ives filter. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you see, I passed that through the friends filter when I showed them. Because <laughs> I showed it to my friends and they go, right, her face is pink or her face is yellow. And there's a, something on there that I can't see. So then I have to go and I, I guess what I've done wrong. So, I mean, like, Although I'm colorblind, like I know the sky is blue, grass is green, you know, that kind of stuff. So mm. I, I just use sliders and like I can look at it and I go, I'm, I'm adding 10% more blue into this picture or I'm taking 10% of red out of this picture for, for, for want of a, an, an easier way of explaining my, my work process. That's what I do essentially. And then sometimes it doesn't always work. Or they go, listen, she's got a greenish tint on her. I'm like, oh, what have I done there? So I'll show it to my wife and I'll, sometimes I'll even show it to you. And I go, what do you think? And they go, well, maybe your face is overexposed. And I'll go back. So some of it is, a lot of it is the color work. A lot of it's guesswork. Black and white is much easier medium for me because I don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah. So much to an extent. But um, yeah, so working in color can be, can be daunting. Yeah, well, I mean, you do it really well, though. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. So you have a very, like, you have a very unique style in that you, you can almost look at one of your pictures and say, okay, that's, that's an Ives picture. Um, so do you want to talk about that kind of like the style that you shoot in? Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't aware of any of this until people told me, I just kind of shot what I like. And, and even when like, I'd say people are, no, I still think I'm starting out. So I don't think I have any great knowledge base on the, on this, but a few folks have said to me, you know, um, I want to start taking pictures or whatever. And my first advice to anybody it's just shoot what you like. Just shoot what you want. Don't set out to do a certain thing. A certain thing will find its way. It's like, it's like music. Play what you want. Play what you feel. And same photography. Shoot what you want. Some people are great at shooting the landscapes. Some people are great at shooting portraits. Landscape photography and stuff that never captured me. I'll take a few when I'm out. But it's not something I'd go out of my way to do. Like I wouldn't get up at six in the morning and trekking up a mountain to catch that sunrise. Um, I wouldn't particularly think I'd have the skill set to do that where some guys are amazing at that and they're brilliant and they, they, it looks absolutely stunning. So you, you do what you want. And then when, when you gravitate to the style that you like, 
then you then you know you start to to shape that and and um and control it you know and, and get better at it so i mean like my my style i think there i've been told that there's a there's kind of a dark element to the style i shoot and i think that's but that's also born out of the people i use in, in my shots and my friends and models. I mean, I was a lot of, I was very well ahead of the game when I started because um, I knew so many models from working with so many models. So I already had this deep breath of people that I could reach into and go, listen, I want to do a shot. Do you want to be involved? Oh, and you get to keep your clothes on. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, <laughs> you know, because there'll all be alt models who are all used to posing nude and whatever, which is brilliant, which is great for that. But that's not something I've ever wanted to do. There's so many people doing that. You don't need another person doing it, you know, and I wouldn't really think I'd bring anything to that genre, but it wouldn't be something I'd be interested in. So, mm-hmm. so whenever I'd ask other people to do it, they were like, absolutely. So therefore you're already ahead of the game. You've got a good reputation of working with people and they know who you are. So there you go. You, you've already broken down that part. So I was, so when I kind of started to, to start putting stuff online, I'd already got some well-known models who were in it. So I was, I was a bit of ahead of it that way. And it does all happen to be alt models or, you know, alternative, lots of tattoos, rockers, goths, whatever kind of stuff. I'm a rocker myself. And so they're the kind of people I would gravitate towards. And so when you use people who have, I want to say, not like a dark aura, but already are into more darker theme things than the regular folks would be, your pictures tend to take on that kind of connotation to some extent. And um, yeah, yeah, I've been told I kind of have that, uh, that kind of vibe. And the subgenre of goth in nature, which is what I tend to do a lot as well. Um, lot, lots of goths in forests. And <laughs> 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 or goths by the sea, or goths by ruins, or, you know, goths on the road. It just tends to be that, that kind of, uh, you know, where's Wally in nature, except there's a goth you're looking for. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it just, turns out, it just turns out that way. But it, it's something I like. I enjoy it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And you do quite a bit of horror photography as well. Yeah, I mean, because I was a horror model for so long, I kind of steered away from it. Everyone expected me to do it. So the minute I started taking pictures, everyone expected me to do some horrible, horrible things. And I really had no interest. I mean, at the time, I didn't. I just kind of stayed away from it. It didn't pique my interest. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I mean, even in the band, I don't I, I write all the ballads, <laughs> for want of a better word. I always wrote ballads. I never wrote metal songs, even though I was in metal bands all my life. Uh, I come up with the lighter riffs, and the other guys with the heavier stuff. So as a photographer, it's funny that it gravitates towards that. I would come up with the lighter themed stuff as opposed to the darker themed stuff. So I was kind of losing interest a bit there about two years ago. And I was like, how do I, you know, it was always a creative outlet for me that I didn't get anywhere else. Uh, Cause being in a band is all about compromise where this is something I do for me. I don't have to compromise anybody. It's my visions. It's my ideas. They're, they're mine. And I'd kind of saturated that. I'd, I'd done enough. I was like, I would kind of, I've satisfied that creative urge. What, what do I want to do? Do I want to stop? Do I want to get into it? I said, you know what? I think for Halloween, I'll do, I'll do, a, I'll do some horror shots. So I thought up a couple of horror shots and I did a series of them for Halloween, not last year, year before. And it was, they were great. They got a huge response. Some people freaked out at them. One or two were too real. That <laughs> got a lot of, I had somebody's grandparent give out to me saying that she looked too dead. And I was like, well, it's not a testament to her performance that she did the makeup. She looked brilliant. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that was kind of a warning that, you know, to have some sort of fantasy element so people don't think you've actually just killed somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, we shot that up in the mountains. Uh, there's a lovely model called Aoife O'Brien. And um, we shot that up the mountains at like 7 a.m. It was like one degree. It was freezing. 
and uh, middle of nowhere, up in the military road, she hops out, looks dead, all bent out of shape. She's been hit by a car. And I'm standing over her, shooting her. Just then, a van drives by, like in the middle of nowhere. Oh, no. <laughs> so the van drives by, and I go, hey, thumbs up. And she doesn't move, and he drives off. And then five minutes later, he just slowly drives back. Like, is everything okay? And she sits up and waves, like, no, we're okay. We're fine. We're fine. Because it looked like I just hit it with my car, and I was just photographing what I just done. <laughs> So um, we both waved, and he was like, oh, grand, and he drove off, which was kind of cool that he kind of checked up on it. So that was a lesson learned. Don't have it so real. Um, there's, there's fun elements to making it look scary, but when it actually looks like a real thing, that, that's not so fun. So um, I dialed it back a fraction and going forward. And, you know, I, 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 um, I won an award for one of the pictures, which was brilliant. I got nominated for another one, so I was delighted. I mean, I, the one I won an award for took me 20 minutes to do. I was like, really? I, the one I... <laughs> the only 20 minutes so I, 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 was, I was just like that that didn't take a lot of effort and then um and then it became a theme it was like well, you want to do more you want to do more and i was like well i'll do them every now and then and and you know carl from red tree gave me some great advice he's like don't shy away from it if you want to do it do it you know if you want to do some horror stuff do them don't try and shy away from it so i was like okay all right and so i did some more last year which you were you were involved in two more mm-hmm, yeah um ward awards for one of them which was brilliant and um they they were great you know and um i think when all this lockdown changes we have a couple more we've got to we've got to do um and yeah so i mean you, you get people messing me going i want to do a horror shot and i'm like well you know if you shot before no well maybe this is not the best thing to do for your first time because they're tricky they're, they're hard to do um they're hard to convey fear and anger pain or whatever it is if you've never done it before and they, they, they can cost money to do and time to set up. And, you know, you want it to be a success. You know, you don't want the model to feel like she's letting you down or she's doing a bad job when she's just never done it before. So, you know, it's um, having been on both sides of the lens in those, I know how tricky they can be. Um, so, yeah, so I always kind of steer away. Do a few other ones first. Get comfortable with who you are before you put yourself out there in a very raw, um, you know, very raw, open kind of way. And this this is actually something that I've I've seen you do in the past is that when you work with somebody new, you do you you do like a photo shoot where it's it's just them as they are. Yeah, I mean, I kind of yet again that's also born out of necessity. So when I was learning to shoot, I was just doing like all photographers do. You shoot outside first because natural light's there; it's easy to control. When you bring it into the studio, that's when it gets hard to control. You have to control the lights. You have to know where the light's going. You have to know where it's hitting your subject and all that kind of stuff. And I had the clue. I was like, "Oh, flash we No idea. So, um, so I wanted to photograph my friends, you know, and I wanted to do nice black and white shots of them. So I bought this kind of portable studio. And luckily, enough, I'm in a band and I'm able to have we have our own space. So the guys were nice enough to let me set up there. And then during the winter, I was doing some black and white shoots of people. And I wanted it to be a very specific thing, that it was just them. No fancy clothes, no awesome makeup, no cool looks, just them. Just just who they are. And uh, catch them as they are. And it was really, it kind of born out from using a lot of the alt models with all the tattoos and stuff, that they were always a certain way in pictures. I wanted to capture them as people. So you catch them laughing, joking, whatever. And then... Um, it kind of snowballed into that then and because then I started working with people I didn't know. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to go up the mountains with somebody and it turns out to be an awful shoot. You've just wasted a great idea and then you're going to go all the way home with this person who you can't stand. So the best way to do it was I do a, a shoot then in, in the studio. And if it's going really well, then great. You get a great result. If it's not going so well, you can kind of end it soon enough. 
And also, for a first shoot, it's very difficult if you say, I want to do my first photo shoot. I say, Grant, well, we're going to do this shoot here in a bridge. And like, oh, that's a great idea. But then you have loads of people walk around and they're very nervous and they won't pose and they get all scared. The best way to do it is if you do it in a controlled environment, you know, you, their friend, you're sitting there, you're doing the shoot, no one's around, everyone's just relaxed, it's easy. They get a more of a relaxed, natural reaction out of them and they get used to the camera and it's not so alien because it's not a natural thing to have a camera stuck in your face. You know, mm. you don't have it in your face every day and, you know, doing it in a controlled Hello, environment. Hello and welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that tried to tell you that they yeah. know someone who can do it cheaper. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is the Jill of all trades and proud nerd, Miss Lyra Fox, also known as Awesome Fox 42. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, ventured the brave outdoors and bought house paint because my room is my jail cell and I'm really, really sick at looking this dirty, pale pink that's on the wall. So I need to change the scenery. Your room will be your canvas. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of stuff that you do? Well, um, as Miss Lyra Fox, I'm a burlesque and singing performer, though I haven't done a show in, oh, would you look, it's, it's been nearly a year now. <laughs> Due to various reasons, like last year, I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, so I was tired all the time and just couldn't perform. I had to just kind of take a step away and go, I'm too sick. <laughs> but in terms of the awesome Fox 42 stuff, I have been drawing for years and my big things that I love are like sculpting and watercolors. And I, like as of the end of last year, I got really into embroidery, but I mostly just like sketch. I've done stuff as of last year to help me just kind of like create more in a limited like workspace. I also purchased myself a heckin' tablet. One of those, you know, second screen, you just boot up your um, software and draw digitally. So I've been doing a lot of that as well. Oh, awesome. I'm so jealous. I want one of those. <laughs> it was a compromise between me and someone I knew. They were going to pay for half and it was, if they hadn't paid for half of it, then there was no way I would have been able to afford one. It's, and it's not even top of the line. It's mm -hmm. a, an XP Pen 16, which I think is pretty good. But it's no, you know, Wacom and it's, I don't use Photoshop. I use Clip Studio is what I use, which is the new name for Manga Studio because that was a set price of 50 quid. Whereas you've got your Photoshops that are subscription based. And I was like, nope, not going to subscribe to something that's going to cost me X amount every month. I'm a student. I'm far too poor for that. I know they say that you got to spend money to make money, but like we're artists. Yeah, I ain't making no money. I've gotten like <laughs> one commission in a year. <laughs> oh no. So how did you get into, like you said that you did performance and I know you're not performing right now, but like, how did you get into that? I love telling this story because anytime someone asks about my love of Jessica Rabbit, I was actually dressed as Jessica Rabbit for Halloween back in 2015, 2014, I think. And I was approached by Graham Squeaker in his full... Uh, skeleton paint mask trademark grim yeah trademark grim and he goes what's that song she sings so i sang a few bars and he goes you should do burlesque and i had never thought of it before in my entire life and it just like hit me in the face so i got in touch with them i started uh doing some stagehand stuff and then that yeah, would have been 2014 because 2015 i had my first show and the mic stopped working <laughs> partway through my song <laughs> <sighs> and i like panicked 
but yeah and then I took a bit of a break and then came back into it and have been performing in no way regularly since <laughs> well yeah but I mean I don't you don't necessarily have to be performing all the time you know to be considered a performer yeah no I I don't do it regularly at all um I know a lot of people go full on in but I find it so mentally and physically exhausting that yeah. I'm like like I think once I had a show two nights in a row and I'd never felt more drained in my life and I was like fair play to those who like this is their like you know everything that they do and I envy that but uh, but I can't I love doing it for the fun of it when I can do it and that's part of why I'm really bad at keeping up with the Miss Lyra Fox social media because <laughs> I'm just like no no if someone wants to book me and I get to sing a song and it's not a karaoke then all for it <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm always fascinated to hear people's, I guess you could call them origin stories, because they're always crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it is an origin story, like, uh, especially for the performance of burlesque and stuff like that, because you have a stage name. So it's kind of like, how did that specific person be born? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, this is, this is the thing, because, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I just do it. But like, how? Why? Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. And you do, you said that you do digital art as well. Yeah, I have taken to streaming a lot of it when I do do it. Particularly, what was it? I did one piece for the anxiety subreddit because I found this game called Adventures with Anxiety and it's a free like browser game and it's adorable. But you play as the anxiety and the anxiety is like this jagged red wolf. But throughout the game, everyone's anxiety took the form of something different. So I said to the subreddit, I was like, hey, here's the concept. Like, tell me what your anxiety is and I'll compile a list and I'll draw them all out for you. So I did like a big, huge piece and that's not something I would have been able to do on paper because I just, I stay away from having large notebooks and stuff like that because my room is just tiny. And so I was able to just fit them all into one digital piece and send it off and show them and it was great. And then... I did some fan art that I streamed for a YouTube channel called Triple Jump. They were playing Bioshock. So I did Ben and his, his two sons, his robot sons, because every time he came across a robot he could hack, he said, ah, it's my son. So I just did a nice little composition and uh, did that. So I'm hoping because I've recorded them all, I'll be able to do sped up videos and just put them up on YouTube. Oh, cool. Yeah. And how did you start streaming? Because I think you're the first person I've talked to that has mentioned that they actually stream their art. Well, it was from, well, like, like I, watch a, I watch a couple of streamers that do art. It's really interesting to see their process. It is usually like digital stuff. So you can kind of see like it's a good way of like looking at a layout of a software. So you can kind of see like, oh, well, you can do that with it. Oh, you can learn that trick and stuff like that. So I'd watch them and just watch their art and in general. And basically, I'd be telling someone on Discord, like, oh, I'm going to draw this. And they were like, oh, cool. And I'm like, like, send me progress and stuff like that. So it got to a point where I'm like, well, I'll just stream it and put some nice music on in the background. And if you just want to watch, you can watch. If you don't want to, you don't want to. But either way, it means I can do a time lapse at the end of it because it automatically records it if I'm streaming it on my computer. So, And like I already had all that stuff because I'd planned to do 
YouTube channels based on video games and stuff like that. So uh, I've got some footage. I never end up doing anything with it, but I do have footage of games recorded as well that I plan to do videos out of because what else am I going to do while I'm stuck in my house for the summer? (laughs) (laughs) We're still in lockdown. Uh, (laughs) It's not over, you guys. (laughs) Places may be open, but when you're asthmatic, you stay the heck in sight. Oh, no, that's fair. No, and just looking at your art here, and you do quite a bit of fan art, but you also do quite a bit of, I'm looking at your own stuff, which is a bit wild. Are do you we want to t- talk about that? Are we talking about the demon-y guys? Well, the demon-y guys, and there's the spider cat. Ah, um, uh, yes. That was inspired by a trip I took to get a spider from Miss Kitty LaRue. <laughs> okay, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for some, like, I think it's on the, the work in progress one we were sitting on separate seats because we had to each mind a spider and we needed space. And uh, it's like, only spiders. That's all we have in stock. And I went arachna kitties and she went kitty spider hybrids. Yes. And I went, well, that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that was one of the first things I did on my tablet when I got it. And I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. So I got like just a picture of a cat skeleton and was able to like help judge from that. It's a great thing about doing digital art is that my spatial awareness is helped a lot by the fact that I can use layers so I can have it right there underneath what I'm drawing to be able to be like okay so it's around this part of it when it comes to the demony things a lot of them come from just kind of mental health stuff so basically when I feel like sad or you know I can't sleep because of insomnia or if I have like a sore stomach they're, they're they're essentially what I'm feeling and usually like with the anxiety and the sadness and stuff being able to sit there with black ink after sketching it out and just like going over lines and like filling in around it is just really calming for me so I always joked that someone would see me drawing one of them and be really disturbed and then I'd look up at them and smile because I feel so much better (laughs) (laughs) my demons are helping me yeah pretty much like they're my own little personal demons and once I put them it's the same as like talking about your problems or writing out about your problems sometimes I can't verbalize it so I draw it that's fascinating because yeah a lot of people would kind of shy away from that side of things and there's but it is it is a big thing on social media where artists will draw out you know their demons or what they're feeling or hashtag artist therapy (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hashtag therapy art they always go under my demons because that's exactly what they are they're just me chilling out calming my mind down with a lot a lot of black ink there's just something i think there's just something soothing about black ink yeah, it's just, it's simple. You don't have to worry. Like, I, you know how they were like, oh, coloring books are great for your mental health and chilling out. No, they're not because you have to think what color goes where. What kind of color palette do you want for this picture? It's too stressful for me. <laughs> There's too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. And plus the fact that I've got hypermobility. So all the joints in my hands, they just tire out so easily. So sitting down with colour and pencils is not my idea of a fun time. It's just going to mean I won't be able to do anything with my hands for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, colouring with, with pencil and stuff, that can be quite repetitive and straining on, you know, on someone who's not... Hypermobile. Hypermobile, yes, thank you. Like that, <laughs> that can be straining enough, so I, I yeah. can't imagine what it's like. Oh yeah, even drawing with a pencil sometimes, like I drew for the first time in for the first time in a while a couple of days ago and afterwards my hands were in bits and I was like oh no so that kind of factors into how infrequent I post on the awesome fox 42 account because I just don't create enough 
because I'll have ideas but I'm like if I start drawing then that's me out of commission for about 10 minutes afterwards feeling like it's time to pop a painkiller afterwards it's the upside of the digital tablet is that like it doesn't put as much pressure because I don't need to do like as precise movements and if I do make a mistake it's just one button yeah well that that is the nice thing about digital art as well is that you've got things like predictive drawing and and uh, steady hand drawing and, and all that kind of stuff yeah and like the amount of lovely things I've drawn that I have not colored simply because I'm like I'm gonna screw this up I'm gonna pick it wrong or I'm gonna color outside the lines accidentally something's gonna bleed out whereas I will often draw something and then put it up my computer, try and recreate it digitally. And then I can color it whatever color I want and I can change it at like the click of a button. It's fine. Like it's so much like stress-free in comparison. Yeah, if you're not sure what color to do, you know, what color palette, you just do them all, try them all. Yeah, just, just, just mess around with it. The only downside is that my room is so small and my desk is so small that it's just a headache to set up. Once it's set up, it's fine. And it's fun to do, but I kind of have to prepare myself to be like sitting at my desk to draw it and make sure everything's set up the way it is. Yeah. So you do sculpture as well then. And I know that that would be kind of more taxing on the hands. How does, how does that work? I've always loved sculpting. Like when I was in secondary school for the Leaving Cert, I was one of two people that were allowed to do sculpture for the final project because they trusted we wouldn't screw it up. (laughs) So I have a big bag of crank clay that I made sure to ask my old art teacher where to get it from, but that has become too much for my hands. So I use a lot of Sculpey, of course. Sculpey is what I use a lot of now. Sculpey's great. Yeah, because it's it's so like it's so malleable that and easy to move, and I don't have to worry about taking breaks because with the the proper clay, you got to keep working or you got to wet it again because it's gonna dry. Yeah. Whereas with Sculpey, I can just be like, this ain't dry until I put it in the oven. This is fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's not dry until I cook it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not dry until I cook it. So I can just keep working at my own pace. But it would, for finer detail, it would get rough. My mom gave me some plastic gloves that I can put over my compression gloves. I have these little gloves that I got really cheap. I would prefer an actual pair, but this was all I could afford. Mm-hmm. And they basically just like squeeze down on your joints. Right. It was really tight. And that can help a lot with the pain, especially when I'm doing fine movements and stuff like that in terms of sculpting. But I don't do a lot of that because, well, where's it going to go? <laughs> I only do, I even when I do small stuff, I'm like, where will I put it? <laughs> <laughs> I have I, limited space. <laughs> Yeah, I already have two photo frames that ha- one of them has a cactuar that I made in Sculpey. Like, and then I basically got the idea of doing slab work on Sculpey and putting it in a photo frame and then putting the frame back together and then it's like a full piece. So I've got two of them just in my room with nowhere to go because I don't want to store them in properly because then they might get wrecked. Mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like what, what do I where do I put them so I've been put off like sculpting stuff because I'm like where will it go there's no room in my room to put like the amount of lego I would own alone if I had room I have one thing of lego and it's of Venice and that's because it was small enough to fit on a shelf and even then that gets moved around because I'm like you're in the way <laughs> and yeah and so many like there's so many more sculptures that I'd have if I just had the room yeah, th- no, this is always the problem. Like even with 
when I very occasionally, very rarely will dabble in sculpture as well or costume or whatever it is and you make something and you're like, it's fine, I'll just sell it. But then it's like a year later, it's still sitting on the shelf. Yep. You know, where do I put it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great for when you're making presents, but uh, that only happens like once or twice a year. So you're like, right. It's the upside of the embroidery is that it's a lot easier to store. <laughs> Because it's just material, although the amount of different colored thread has gotten insane. But even then, that's probably the smallest amount of storage that I've needed for an entire medium. <laughs> it's one Cadbury's box <laughs> that's in my drawer in my desk, and that's it. Oh, it's, it's, it's not a biscuit box? <laughs> no, no. Close, though. It was just it was something I got at Christmas, a box of Cadbury's chocolates and like a tin. And so I was like, oh, perfect. And I just happened around the same time got a buttload of different colored threads and I was like happy taste. Actually I wonder does anybody even use those you know you find the biscuit tin and you open it and it's full of like sewing equipment I wonder does anybody actually do that anymore? Well we don't in my house simply because we upgraded to a proper sewing kit (laughs) (laughs) but just because my mom used to do sewing as her job and she still had a sewing machine for a long time and still does actually. I keep meaning to uh, learn the skills of it so I can make my own clothes. And like she used to work for the Dominican brothers across the street from us. And mm-hmm. anytime their trousers had a hole, she'd be taking it home and she'd be under with the sewing machine. So I think it's it entirely depends on what you have available. And she just had so much stuff. Like I actually raided it the other day to get the fabric scissors, which is this giant foot long scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it in my hand. I'm like, yeah, no, it's about a foot long and it's heavy because I needed to cut up an old t-shirt to make a mask. So. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen those fabric scissors memes. Uh, yeah, no, it's, no, but like this, this is like a garden shears, this thing. Like it's not just, <laughs> it's not just like, don't use my fabric scissors. Nothing could penetrate this thing. I think this thing is older than I am and it has never <laughs> lost its edge. <laughs> Well, I mean, you never know when you're going to have to cut up a circus tent. Like, hang on. That's the sound of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, you don't, cut, you don't cut paper with that thing just because you don't need to. It's, <laughs> the other scissors will do fine. You don't want to take that out unless you mean business. It's such a badass scissors. You try and cut anything other than fabric with it. There's just nothing left. It just disintegrates. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll just melt. It won't even cut. It'll just melt. It, <laughs> it, the sheer awesome power of the, of the, the fabric scissors. <laughs> oh. I'm going to end up drawing fan art of my mom's fabric scissors now. <laughs> <laughs> Give it its own personality. I feel like it should have, should have a name. Yeah. Just do a hashtag, I don't know, giant scissors or something. <laughs> mega scissors. The mega scissors, yeah. I'll put a picture up on my Instagram layer just to show you what I mean. And I even have another normal regular house scissors right next to it just to kind of emphasize to myself, whoo, that's a big boy. <laughs> oh. Like the screw alone. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just looking at it like the screw alone is huge. Yeah, you're going to have to send us a picture of that so we can include it in the stream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll have the other one there for reference, don't worry. <laughs> so for anyone who's listening at home and are thinking that they want to 
you know, try some of the stuff that you do, even like maybe even especially people who would have a hard time with their hands. What kind of advice could you give them? I'd say take breaks. Like don't push yourself. That's the main thing. Compression gloves are great, especially if you're not working with clay so it doesn't get stuck to it. But yeah, no, take like taking it slow, taking a breaks. Try not to lean too hard on your pencil like I do. That's part of my problem. <laughs> Try not uh, to do what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But these are like habits ingrained from nearly 30 years of doing art because I would always lean in hard on my pencils. And it's just hard for me to do otherwise because then I get completely in the zone. But a lot of it would be just don't be ashamed of taking breaks. Don't be like, I think there's a lot of kind of oh, a true artist wouldn't do this, a true artist wouldn't do that, that kind of horrible discourse. And I'm like, art is art. As long as you're not directly copying someone else's work and, you know, saying it's your own, then pretty much anything goes. So take and breaks, use references if you can, because I have dyscalculia as well. So I'm like, spatial awareness is horrible. <laughs> and I just can't, like, so using references and yeah just being gentle on your hands my mom also has like really bad arthritis in her fingers so she which is thanks to that one of my greatest fears is losing my hands but using like a squeeze ball to kind of like exercise it so that when you do do art like the little tendons aren't as worn out so just kind of like exercising your hands a little bit keep them warm because when they're cold it's gonna be even tougher on your joints as well so like I can never I think the worst time I ever had was when I did an art course and part of it was work experience where we had to go to Inishir in October oh <laughs> and have to draw outside <laughs> uh, it was not a good time my sculpture that we had to make at the end of it was of a woman being choked by the sea and I was like this is twofold one it was very like kind of they were always hounding us to be outside go do art go do this and the second of is that because I was forced to be outside I came home with a chest infection <laughs> on oh. top of like aching joints and everything I was like I hate you all <laughs> yeah and this this is something that's renowned with all artists is that we do suffer for our art oh yeah absolutely and that that's something I'm always saying like they probably people have probably heard me say it on the show before but it's just it's it like it is <laughs> Yeah, no, like, I know what it's like to get into the, into your stees and just be really focused, but giving your hands a little break, even if it's just a minute or two, can really help just kind of make it so that when the art is finished or, you know, that you're even able to finish the art because you're not crippling yourself, that when the art is finished, you can go make yourself a cup of tea without, you know, wincing every time you do it. Yeah, and and actually the, the thing that you said about play with the stress ball and, and keep your hands warm it, it's kind of it would be akin to doing stretches before you work out really yeah yeah no art is I like I say art is a muscle in itself because the more you do it the better you get at it because I've said you, you know yourself you've had a lot of people go oh that's great I wish I could do that and I'm like I've been kind of doing it for like most of my life so that's the only reason I can get this point yeah because um, even my little niece she was like oh I wish I could draw like you and I was like honey I've got 20 years ahead of you <laughs> like that's the only reason I'm better is because I keep at it so you keep at it as well but it's the same in that as much as doing the art itself is a muscle like there are muscles in your hands you need to do a warm-up before you can 
go do the mad stuff like <laughs> you, you wouldn't just go for a 5k run after no training yeah no this is this is true and art is very it's very physical it's very full-on yeah, it's more physical than people realize. Like even just a simple sketch, obviously you're using all the muscles in your hand. If you're doing clay, then whoo boy, you're using like most of your arm a lot of the time, especially if it's not something small. The bigger it is, the more muscles you're using. And then, so like, I'm just trying to think of more mediums, like painting and stuff like that, keeping your arm steady, all this, all the different movements that you do with your arm. Like that's me using all the muscles in your arms. Like you, you try keeping your arm in the air for like five minutes straight doing nothing. Yeah. And it's going to start hurting. A lot of the time when you're like, especially on at an easel and stuff like that, that's essentially what you're doing, except you're moving your arm, which makes it even worse. But you don't think about it because you're working. Yeah. And then once you realize they're like, oh, so, you know, having it all stretch the arms and making sure you take a break to kind of stretch out your arms, stretch out your back, whatever way you're sitting and stuff like that. It's really important. Yeah, and not to mention the strain that it would put on your eyes and your mind and because you're concentrating, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, it's, especially when you're doing digital works, you know, they they say shouldn't stare at a screen for too long. You need to look away. It's like, absolutely do that. Because if you're doing digital work, not only are you concentrating super hard on your artwork, but you're also doing it staring at a screen, staring across two screens, most likely. (laughs) You're usually like right up at the screen as well. Oh yeah, no, I'd be hunched, hunched over and everything. So I have to take regular breaks. You usually find that that's when I drink my most tea. <laughs> and because um, I like just having it there while I'm having to think. And I'll sit there with my cup of tea. And it's a perfect time. I have to start using a smaller mug so I get up for more breaks. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Don't like as, as, as appealing as it is to use the big mug, try using a smaller one <laughs> so that you'll get up more often. Yeah, get out of your chair. Get, just walk away for a bit. Yeah. Stretch your legs, stretch your arms while you're doing it and make yourself a cup of tea. Yeah, absolutely. So where is the best place for people to keep up to date with you? I'd say mostly it's the Awesome Fox 42 Instagram, but even on Twitter, it's the same Awesome Fox 42. And from there, you can find the Instagram, you can find my Twitch. And whenever I upload anything, like I generally put it up on the uh, Twitter first. But for the burlesque and performer stuff, it would be following Miss Lara Fox on Instagram. Awesome. And before we go, is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't covered yet? No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy. Are you? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> this is your moment. This is your time to shine. <laughs> but I'm sharing the spotlight because the spotlight is big enough for us all. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I'm here every week. (laughs) You know, I I don't need the time to shine. I'm good. (laughs) No, actually, there is is one thing, uh, one more thing that I would ask you about before you go, um, because you mentioned singing. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about that before we wrap it up? I love singing. It is a bit like the non-paper version of my comfort. So the same way I draw the demons... You'll generally find that if I'm in a bad mood, I'll kind of sing a little sad song to myself. And yeah, singing in general is just something I've always loved. I grew up listening to Garth Brooks and Elvis Presley. Convinced one was my dad and one was my uncle. And my mom was heartbroken to tell me neither of that was true. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave you to guess which one I thought was my dad and which one I thought was my uncle. Yeah, so when it comes to like, as I said, just because I love singing, like I fell, I probably fell in love with it as well from watching Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because I watched that film at a far, far too young age. And, <laughs> I think um, we all did. 
<laughs> no, it was hilarious because I, I got really into the Disney films as we all did as a kid and I would sing every word because something about music, I can remember nearly every word to a song once I've heard it once, even if I don't even like the song. Mm-hmm. And I've been at, like, I used to do spoken word poetry and stuff, so there'd be open mic nights and there'd be someone bringing along their brand new song that they've just written. And by the time, the second time the chorus came around, I was singing along with them because I could pick up the beats so easily. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn too, toot. So I was so into the movies that my granddad said it to my aunt Diane, how into movies I was. So she thought to bring it upon herself to give me an education and gave me two VHS tapes. One was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And the other one was Ewoks the Battle for Endor. <laughs> that was my first Star Wars movie. That is terrifying as a movie with some of the puppets in that. <laughs> but that was my first Star Wars movie. And yeah, I just ate up. I wanted to be like Jessica Rabbit so badly. And I loved that song so much. And when I dressed up for a Halloween, I got my opportunity to sing in front of people. So now I use it to, I either do video game songs like I did um, Still Alive from Portal one time uh, it's a great song yeah and I, I did myself up like a robot it was great I've done uh, Be Prepared where I give myself it's a great chance for me to experiment with makeup and face paint because I did myself up like Scar for that one mm-hmm. but then I also do a lot of like Eartha Kitt is a big favorite of mine so you'll very rarely find me doing a modern song <laughs> it's always like either these old croonier classics or it's something pop culture related, which I think is very me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you play to your own style, definitely. Yeah. No, there's, there's no point in, in doing something that you're not into. Yeah, no. Like, my mom, we have very similar music tastes. The, like, even when... A good example of how much it's a comfort to me, I hate cooking and baking. I find it very stressful. Baking less so. But if I'm in the kitchen having to do stuff... Out comes the Great American Songbook CD collection I was given. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's the only reason my mom lets me play music when she's in the kitchen is because we have very similar tastes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, aren't you glad I have good taste in music? And she's like, aren't you glad? Because otherwise you wouldn't be allowed to play it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fair. Oh, that's great. Um, Lyra, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure to be here, Madigan. and for anybody listening at home we're gonna pop the links to lyra's social media in the description so that you can keep up to date with her check out her art check out her burlesque check out everything because we have to support our artists anything you'd like to say before we go support your artists and take breaks have tea (laughs) art and tea art and tea (laughs) and that is the tea tea is the solution to it all yeah, I'm sure there's a t-shirt in that. So in there <laughs> a t-shirt? A t-shirt. <laughs> that made um, us laugh way too hard. Yeah. We, we need to get outside a bit more, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode of Doing It For The Exposure and would like to hear more in the future, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-I-F-T-E Podcast. You can also check out our stream on nerdtoknowmedia.com. We stream weekly on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. All right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, tune in has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to tune in and download the app. 
or you can check out the live streams on nairthnowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Nair to Know Media everywhere. Nair to Know Media on Twitter. Nair to Know Media Instagram. Nair to Know Media on Twitch. Nair to Know Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. <laughs>